we're going to be having dinner here. Uh, Sharon Miller, she's going to be uh, helping us with that. And uh, so you can come and have fun here at the church. If I'm not going out of town, I'll take some turkey from them and leave. <laughs> Probably come by here and share with them. But we're going to be having this sign of sheet out there so that uh, if you want to, you can sign up. It's really hard um, to be with our family during that time of the year. I remember when I first got to the United States, I used to think these Americans don't understand. Because for us foreigners, it's the worst time of the year. Because <laughs> you have nowhere to go, no family. And Muslims, they'll go anywhere. I mean, if we invite them to church, they just want to go somewhere. It didn't matter what. And I, was, I kept thinking, why, didn't they, why don't they understand? I was with them in the dorm. So I could tell they were lonely. I was lonely. Uh, funny story. I had never seen football before. Never heard about it, football. Football was soccer. And I was so bored, I wanted something out. And I couldn't watch TV much from my upbringing as a Christian back in my country. And this guy from Jamaica was saying, football on TV, football. I thought soccer, and I was going to have fun. I turned around to look at the television to see the football. And I saw people with helmets and pads and all of that. I said, what? And then I looked at the football. He didn't look around at all. I didn't know what they were doing. I said, is this the way Americans play their soccer? And they all gathered by the goal line. You know how they gathered by the goal line? And then I saw these guys doing like they were bulls. Doing this. I said, what? And then they piled on one another. And I said, no way. I'm not watching this crazy stuff. Took off. But I wish I could find somewhere to go during that time. And that's what's important. Uh, just be sensitive to those around you and uh, let them have fun. Amen. Stand up with me tonight. Tell my funny story. <laughs> the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. The Lord is here with us tonight, and I'm very grateful uh, for those of us that are here. And uh, for our special guests, I see three of them here. I'm so glad to have you all with us tonight. Um, I've been speaking on the, our inheritance in Christ. Our inheritance in Christ. And last week, we talked about the privilege of being in God's very presence. For us to be able to come into his presence and we are welcome. And the Bible actually tells us to come boldly. That means God's not going to turn you away. It says come boldly to the throne of grace that you might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So when you have need, God's encouraging you to come into his presence and the reason for that is because of your inheritance. You, now you are a child of God and you have a privilege to enter into your father's presence. And you are more than welcome. And God says, come with boldness because God's not going to turn you 
away. That always reminds me of the scripture. Uh, Jesus told us this, and you can find that in Matthew chapter 7, and you can also find it in Luke 11. It tells us this, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. The next verse is always so pleasing to me because it says, For everyone who asks, receives. For everyone who asks, receives. For everyone, every time, I've said it here before, every time you hear the word scriptures for, that's saying there is a law. It's a law, as good as the law of gravity. The reason you will receive when you ask is because Everyone who asks, receives. It's a law. It never fails. You will always receive. If you are a child invited into God's very presence, you ask and God, He's heard you. And the Bible tells us, by faith believe that He's heard you. Why? Because that's what it is. He's already heard you. Our trouble is, we want it right now. And we want the feelings to change immediately. And if the feelings don't change and nothing has changed, it is pastor, why? Oh, believe. Don't change your mind because God's already heard you. And the next thing is, what the devil does is he starts working with our minds. That's where the battle is. Your, our minds. That's why we must take our thoughts into captivity. Because Satan can conjure up all kinds of crazy ideas and fears that we think must, must, will happen to us. No evidence. We hear these things in our heads. And we think we're thinking. But he's sitting suggesting to us, telling us what could be. And he's preaching his message to us. And if you believe his message, you've added faith to it. And guess what? What you fear will come to you. That's just the way it is. What you fear will always come to you. Because you align yourself with your fear. And you think you're trying to prevent what you're fearing from coming to you. But you can't prevent what you believe comes to you. What you fear comes to you. So the thing is, the first line of battle, Jesus always told us this, don't be afraid. Only believe. Don't be afraid. Only believe. For your heavenly Father knows. He knows what you're going through. He knew before the foundation of the world. I was reading in Peter, and Peter was saying, these things was planned before the foundation of the world. The death of Jesus was planned before the world was. Before the foundation of the world. And then Peter said, then it was manifested in our time. But as far as God is concerned, that's already been done. And it couldn't be changed. And I know Jesus knew it. So asking his father, if there is another way to get it done, there is no way. Notice, no answer. God didn't answer. God didn't answer back. There was nothing to discuss. There was no negotiation. It's already been done. It has to be fulfilled. And that's what happened. And it's the same thing with us as children of God. If you hear the words and you can believe the words and you can accept Christ into your life, why? Because God gave you ears to hear. That's what we just confessed. 
And he opened your ear so that you can hear and you responded. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless my heavenly father draws him. Everyone who hears from the father comes to me. And if you make yourself available to the word, then you can hear from the father. If you stay away from the word, you may not hear from the father. If we take the word to them, then they hear from the father. And they'll come to him. And anyone who comes will not be rejected. So we are children of God. I want to go to the fourth thing and talk about different things. The fourth thing is the authority that we inherited in Christ. Because God tells us that on that day, that's I believe John chapter 14 verse 20, it says, at that day, or in that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So, one, us and God, the same authority. The Bible tells us here in Matthew chapter 28, after Jesus rose from the dead, this is what it says, when they saw him, they saw him die on the cross. Sometimes we forget that these were human beings as well. I'm sure they were staying very far. They couldn't go near the soldiers. So they stayed far, just watching what was going on. And then thinking about everything that they're seeing. And all of their hopes and what they thought was going to happen. The miracles they saw. And this was so confusing. How come we're not seeing miracles? What's going on? How come he's being killed? They didn't understand what was going on. And then they actually finally saw him die. And in their mind, wow, this is the end of it. What, what happened to our dreams? And now Jesus was back again, the one that they saw die, and they put him in the grave. They were aware of that. Now he was back again, and this is what the Bible tells us. When they saw him, Jesus appeared. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. I mean, you know, every time you have people together, you got some doubters. Right? Some doubted. They they were in doubt. But then this is what Jesus said to them. Jesus came and he spoke to them saying, All authority. All authority. Has been given to me in heaven and on earth. What does that say? He didn't have all authority before. Right? He didn't have all. Because the Bible says, Satan was the god of this world. Right? But at this time... Both the keys of hell and death, he had them. He didn't have those before. Now after his death, he had everything. Those were the only two keys in the earth, okay? The keys of hell and death. Jesus got them. And now so he says, now I've got all the authority. He had authority in heaven. But on earth, there was still something missing. And we submit because of the fear of death. But now Jesus has the keys of death. And so now he has all authority in heaven and earth they've been given to him. So he says, go therefore. Go therefore. The the, the reason I'm telling you to go is I've got all of this authority in heaven and on earth and I'm giving them to you. Now you go in my name. We are his ambassadors. That's what Second Corinthians tells us that. We are now his ambassadors. Now, an ambassador has a lot of power. The ambassador of the United States in Nigeria, he has a lot of power. He speaks as if 
is the president of the United States speaking. And they got to listen to him. If he tells the president there, this is what we are going to do, this is what the United States will do, they'll listen to him. Because he represents the United States. And we are his ambassadors and we have his authority here on the earth, those, the authority that he has given to us. Now, there is one authority that we don't have. You don't have authority over another person's will. You got to throw that out. You can pray for God to change your heart so that they can submit, but you don't have authority over anybody's will. That's why we preach the gospel, to make them change their minds, okay? You can't do it. Many times people want people to do something. Yeah, you mean well, but you can't change them. And if you manipulate the people to do what you want, that's witchcraft. But you have authority over demons. Amen? Can I hear an amen? You have authority any day over demons. And over all the powers of the enemy. The Bible tells us that. Now if you read in Luke, uh, I believe uh, chapter 10 verse 19, it says, Behold, I give you authority. But Jesus already told us, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Now Jesus is saying to us, Behold, or the word look, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. All. Can we define all here? What's the meaning of all? Uh, that's all, right? All means all. Don't give me any but. All means all. All the power of the enemy. In other words, you got authority... Over the power of the enemy. Notice the word is not used. You have power over the power of the enemy. You have authority over the power of the enemy. Let me put it this way. I think Kenneth Hagin put it real well. Uh, a policeman doesn't have the power to stop an 18-wheeler coming at him 55 miles per hour. He can't stop it and push it back and make it stop, right? But he has authority, right? All he has to do is in his uniform. You better be in his uniform. <laughs> Otherwise, he'll be real flat. Okay? But once he's in that uniform that represents power from above, right? All he has to do, that 18 wheeler can be coming at. 60 miles per hour, not paying attention. And here walks this little policeman or policewoman, and she does, hey, and he goes, Shee, I can't stop. Right? Why? Authority. That means we can stop Satan anytime. Can I hear an amen? We can stop the devil at any time. Notice what it says to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, that's trampling over all the power of the enemy. And then he says, nothing shall by any means hurt you. 
That doesn't mean they're not going to try, okay? We're Christians, you know what that is. They're going to try. Satan is constantly trying to hurt us. He ro- the Bible says he, he, he roams around, roaring like a lion, but he's not really a lion. He's just acting like one. But if he opens his mouth, he got no teeth and no claws to do anything. He's just trying to scare you. And if you're scared, he's got you now. He's coming at you. Wow, and then you're running and then he's going to kill me. You're gone that way. But if you know your authority, all you got to do like the policeman is what? Stop. You know what the Bible says? Resist the devil and he'll what? Run from you? No, flee. As in terror. So every time he sees you coming, he's thinking, what does he have in mind now? Here comes trouble. But we don't realize that. So my people perish for what? For lack of knowledge. And so he scares us and we're worried and afraid. And every time we fear, we give him room. We give him room. It's all of us. Something happens and instantly Satan is ministering to you. You got a little pain in your chest. <laughs> You're thinking it's just a pain maybe because you strained yourself previously. But he doesn't want you to think about that. All you think about, this is the big one. You got the television, this is the big one. You know, you put your hand there. It's painful. And you, you go to the doctor and, and you're already anxious, wondering what the doctor will say. And if he says anything, even just mention the word heart, it, yeah, this is it. You, you've already, you're afraid. But you got authority, amen? Notice Jesus told us in Mark chapter 16, he says, and these signs shall follow those who believe. How many believers do we have here? Did he say these signs shall follow pastors? Signs shall follow evangelists? And those who have big ministries? No, these signs follow those who believe. All you have to be is a believer. Just believe in Jesus. I wish I knew this when I was a new Christian. Because it's like Satan comes in my room and just a little bit of feeling of Satan in the room. I'm calling God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All of you help me right now. And so worried. And so afraid. The net, I couldn't wait for daylight so I can run to the person that I thought had the Holy Spirit and power so they can help me. They're just my brothers in Christ. Amen? Knowledge is what gives us freedom from all of that. Dirt. So we know that God's with us. These signs follow those who believe. In my name they will, not may, they will. Say it with me. I will. In his name I will. Cast out devils. I will cast out devils. I will cast out devils. The pastor, the demon, he spoke to me. I'm really scared. You don't know what you got. You shouldn't be afraid. You got power. When they speak to you, that's because they recognize power. That shouldn't scare you. And don't let them lie to you. A lot of Christians, some Christians like to listen to demons speak. And you're just wasting. I mean, they can't tell, tell you the truth. Remember this guy in Georgia? Uh, he, he had a homosexual brother 
and he was praying for the, uh, this uh, homosexual brother, and he, this, the demon manifested. And then the demon spoke to him and told him, he uh, says, what's your name? You know, we always want to ask, right? What's your name? Following scripture. And the devil said to him, Lucifer. And the man said, oh my gosh, I'm dealing with Lucifer himself. So he gathered some of us. Brothers, you need to pray. He stopped immediately. He won't pray for his brother anymore. This was dealing with the real Lucifer, he said. And he talked to us and said, uh, uh, Brothers, please, please pray for me. I'm praying for my brother. And he has Lucifer in him. I thought, Lucifer in him? He's not the president of the United States. Who can he influence? Is Satan that dumb? <laughs> he finds somebody in Georgia that can't do anything. Can't even influence those around him. And he's going to use somebody like that. I thought to myself, he got you cornered. He quit. Sometimes they won't listen, but the truth is, that's a lie. Don't talk to them. But you have authority over them, and you can cast them out. He says, you speak with new tongues. This one sign that follows believers. People like to read that and just go past it. It's one of the signs that follow believers. They're speaking with new tongues. So you can't tell me, well, uh, I, I don't have the gift uh, to cast out devils, uh, but I speak in tongues. Right? All Christians can cast out devils, right? Are you a believer? These signs follow those who believe. They can cast out devils. They can also speak in tongues. These didn't come from me. He came from Jesus. These signs, these are signs. Tongues, a great sign. Just like casting out devil. It's a great sign. These signs follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. In my name, they'll speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. Please don't go looking for one to take up. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. That's what the scripture says. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I remember years ago, I got, if I told this story here, we got two Jehovah's Witnesses came to my door uh, for witnessing. And I was in a hurry to go to church and um, I had to walk to church. And I knew I was already getting late and they wanted to talk and I wanted to be nice, okay? I wanted to be nice to them. And so they knocked and I came out. My younger brother says, uh, we got, he was really happy. He I want to watch good luck debate these Jehovah's Witnesses. They like to see debates, okay? Who wins in this battle? And I came out and I'm thinking, God, you got to help me. I don't want to spend time with them, but I don't want to be rude to them. I just don't want to dismiss them. So God gave me something and I said to them, uh, how can you all tell me about God? You don't even know him. They look like, we don't know him. I said, yeah, you don't know him. And I said, if you doubt it, I'll show it to you. I'll prove it to you. He said, really? I said, you got your Bible? He said, yeah. I said, okay, give it to me. I'll prove it to you. There was a guy, uh, usually they put an apprentice with the real big shot, okay? And he's training this guy to witness, all right? And so the, the new convert, so Jehovah's Witness, he was, he was really interested. Prove it to us. And so I asked him, I said, I went to the scripture. 
These signs follow those who believe. Now, I know if you don't speak in tongues, you're a Christian, okay? I, I know that. But I got to get these guys. I said, these signs follow those who believe. I said, do you believe Jesus is saying, these are some of the signs with which you can tell when somebody is a true believer? If they said no, then I said, you are calling Jesus a liar? Okay? So they said, yeah. I said, okay, which of these signs do you have? I said, uh, have you cast out any devil? They looked at each other like, no. I said, but I told you, I'm not a Christian. You don't have any of these signs. So I went down the line. When I went to speaking in tongues, they looked like, you, got, you, have lost, you lost your mind. We don't speak in tongues. And I said, I do speak in tongues. You want to hear it? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I speak in tongues. And I went down the line. Have you laid hands on the sick and they recover? They have said no. I said, well, you haven't even agreed that you have not one single sign in your life. You are not Christians, young men. You have been deceived. Let me, if you want, come back and I'll show you. And the new convert was, yes. <laughs> I said, they lost him. He's gone. He's not going to be comfortable with Jehovah's Witnesses. He's found out the truth. Amen. But these signs follow those who believe. And you can know that for sure. Number five, deliverance from evil. The Bible tells us that. It says in Psalm 91, you know the scripture. Psalm 91, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. Who made him your dwelling place? Have you made him your dwelling place? The Bible tells us, the name of the Lord is what? A strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. It doesn't mean trouble will come around, but you're safe. You're safe. That's what the Bible is telling us here. Because you have made. How did you make him? Tell me, how did you make him? If you go to verse 1 of that same chapter, he says it very clearly. By saying it with your mouth, the Lord is my refuge. Say it. That's how you make him. Say it with your mouth. The Lord is my refuge. Read from verse 1. If you say it with your mouth over and over again, the angels hear it. The demons hear it. God hears it. The universe hears it. Hears it. So, what's left? You heard it. Those around you can hear it. That's what you want. That's what it is. The Lord is your refuge. And you have made the Lord your refuge. You willingly made Him your refuge. And once you do that, He becomes your refuge. And your hiding place. In times of trouble. That's what he's saying here. Because you have made the Lord. Who is my refuge. So he is, I'm, he's already my refuge. You did the same thing that I did. And now he is also your refuge. Okay. Even the most high your dwelling place. It's a good thing to dwell in Christ. I was listening to um, 
a book written by uh, Smith Wigglesworth, every time you turn away from God into sin, you take, you put your shield aside. Now you are very vulnerable. You hurt, you hurt yourself. Every time you turn. That's why we should come back quickly to the Lord. Quickly. Don't stay there. If you stay there before long, I believe it's Psalm 105, you won't want bread anymore. You know what that says? Reading Psalm 105, beginning from verse 17. Your soul will lose bread. That's food. Because you've turned now. It says fools. When you turn to sin, that's what's going to happen eventually. You don't want bread. And your soul will dry up. No water, no bread. You're dying. So you make him your refuge. These are are dangerous times for believers. Because you see all kinds of of craziness happening in the world. And so the church and people are lowering their standard. I'm still okay. That's not the standard. That's not the standard. I've got to live for God. This is serious business. I only got one life. One life. I've got to live for him. No matter what the rest is doing. I've got to stand before him on my own. Just me and him to discuss what I did with the life he gave to me. The life he died for. To me, that's very important. No competition with anything else. I just want to please him. I want to be okay with him. I don't want Satan pointing his finger at God because of things that I've done and things that I'm doing. No. And, then, and I know I don't have the strength to do that. But I can ask God, please help me. I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be that way. I want to do what's right before you. This is, this is so important for Christians today because people are just doing whatever they want and think God's okay with it. No, he's not okay. He caused the life of God himself. Read Acts chapter 20. This is not a game. But the Bible has already told us that that's what's going to happen in the last days. You know, men will be lovers of themselves, not lovers of God. They just want to do their own thing. And they have good excuse. But before God is no good. I, I love people who love God's word. Amen. Just love his word. Stay buried in the word. That's life. That's life. It changes people's lives. You made God your refuge. It says, no evil shall befall you. You know what that means? Before, meaning no evil will overtake or overcome your life. No evil. Doesn't mean it won't come, but they can't have victory over your life. That's what it is. They cannot have victory over your life. That's our inheritance in Christ. If you read in Psalm 34, he says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver them from all of them. So James tells us, don't think it's strange when you're going through some troubles. It comes to every one of us. We've got to deal with them. And sometimes, most of the time, God allows it. Satan thinks he's going to beat the daylights out of your life, but God is using it to strengthen your faith. Because you got something bigger to do later. 
in life. And if your faith is not strong, you're going to give up if you've not been through what you're going through. So you can, through patience, learn, and then you grow. That's what God's doing. Just like, like um, bodybuilders, I mean, it's painful to do everything that they do. Wake up early, eat right, and all of that stuff. But they're building their muscles so they can do what they want. It's very important that we do this. Notice, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague. In other words, no destruction is going to come to your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. So they are keeping you in all your ways. But notice his ways are higher than our ways. We need to understand. Sometimes it doesn't make sense to us, but you submit. Especially when it doesn't make sense. You submit to him and say, God, I don't understand it. And uh, you know you know the story of Job? I mean, Job, some of the things that happened to him didn't make sense to him. I mean, uh, the guy complained really bad. <laughs> if you read, Job didn't like it at all. He says, why is God fighting me? I didn't do anything. He's fighting me. And he had a lot of words. But he wasn't going to abandon his God. He wouldn't abandon him. He knew that when he's tried, he'll come out pure like gold. He knew that, but he was not happy with what was going on because he says, I've not done anything wrong. I've tried to do right, and, and, and God's fighting me. And then God answered him. So to the, you go to um, 38 verse. God says, who is this that darkens uh, counsel with words without wisdom? And then God started asking him questions. One after the other. Finally, Job said, yeah, I did it. I spoke without wisdom. I'm wrong. And God forgave him. Amen. And turned everything around. Sometimes we can go through tough times. But that's not going to push us down. It makes us better. Amen. Isaiah 54 is a very great chapter for me. I've always stayed with this from the time I was a new Christian. I found that scripture, Isaiah 54, verse 17. It says, no weapon formed against you will... Does it, did it say no weapon will be formed against you? Is that what it says? No weapon will be formed against you. No, there's going to be some weapon formed against you. God just says, they won't be successful. Why? You are a child of God. That's your inheritance. They will not be successful. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And then it says, every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you must condemn. Who is the condemning? You. Because when you condemn it, he's condemned in heaven. When you tolerate it, he's tolerated in heaven. When you disallow it, he's disallowed in heaven. Whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So God says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. In other words, that's the baseline. It won't work, but you don't allow it. Every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, it says you must condemn. This is the inheritance of the servants of the Lord. How many servants of God do we have here tonight? All of us servants of God. This is our inheritance. What's our inheritance? No weapon of the enemy formed against my life will succeed. Don't say they won't form the weapon, but it won't succeed. It will never succeed. 
If you read earlier verses, he says they will surely gather. In other words, Satan actually holds meetings. If you read in Job, there was a meeting in Job and God says uh, to the devil, because the devil showed up, saying, where have you been, devil? He says, toe and fro on the earth. Have you seen my servant, Job? Immediately God brought Job into that agenda. And Job says, why did you mention my name? I mean, I could have been okay if you said nothing. Are, you, are we humans here? That's what I would say. But you shouldn't have mentioned my name, okay? And I'd be okay. But God chose to mention his name, right? And it was a meeting. And they had some discussions. And then they came into agreement. What I'm trying to say is, the devil also has meetings. Okay? Please understand that. And many times in his meetings, uh, you are number one in their agenda. And their plan is, what can we do to trip this guy? He's been a real pain to us in our kingdom for these days. I mean, this singing that uh, he or she is doing is really causing us some problems. So, and every demon has an idea. idea, uh, We're going to do this. If you read in the Kings, uh, God was holding a meeting. He said, uh, this king is really being a problem. Uh, uh, We got to do something. And one demon said, well, we'll try this. And God said, that, I don't think that will work. And another one said, I'll be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets. And he said, ah, that's a good idea. Go. It's in the scriptures. I'm not making up stuff, okay? What does that say? God's open up, opening up our eyes to see these things happen. They plan against your life. But God's already told us, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And God says in Isaiah 54, even when they gather against you, I didn't send them. Read the whole chapter. God said, I didn't send them. If they gather against you, they will also fall for your sake. Amen. So we have that. Delivered from all evil. And we have also angels that God is assigned to us to be with us and to help us. Amen. Then we have deliverance from sickness and disease. Sickness and disease. Something we're very familiar with, and God made a provision for that. Um, in First Peter chapter 2, verse 24, just one verse there, who himself, that Jesus bore our sins in his own body on the tree. And you know what that means. If you read in Galatians chapter 3 verse 13, 3, that's a curse. Right? You know what that means? God cursed sickness and sin. And what God has cursed is not allowed to resist. It must suffer. So it says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we haven't died to sin. That's what I always confess. I'm dead. I'm dead to those bitterness. Amen. Am I tempted to be bitter? Every one of us will be when you're wronged. But 
Dead people don't respond. (laughs) If you respond according to the scripture, you're not dead yet. I gotta die. Okay? We're dead according to the word. I haven't died to sin, not going to. We have already died to sin. And we must affirm that. If you read in um, Romans chapter 4, it says, Abraham believed God according to that which was spoken. I have made thee a father of many nations. That's what God started with. God told him, I have made you a father of many nations. And he believed according to that which was spoken. And even though his body was telling him this cannot happen, he did his... you know, staggering his faith. He stayed what, uh, with what God spoke. And now God is saying to us, you have died. So we must believe according to that which was spoken. If you are to be a friend of God like Abraham was, I've got to believe contrary to what I feel. According to what he's spoken here. I haven't died to sin, might live for righteousness. So we live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. That's what it is. If you were healed, you're healed right now. This is a process to believe this thing. You got to really saturate your mind because what it is for us is so different for everybody. You got to study the word and let God minister to you till your mindset is changed. That's the issue here. Because we've been conditioned from the time we were young that this is part of our life. And then when you look at the church, you see it going on with this and that. I don't understand all of it, but I know what the word says. And I'm going to try, God, would you help me? I need you to help me understand what this says. You know, I was listening to uh, um, some minister today. I could tell, I think I turned it off real quickly. Uh, because he was saying um, that he doesn't understand how Christians can say uh, uh, sickness was part of the atonement that Jesus made on the cross. Well, he says it in the scripture. Well, you get that stuff. And he's going to prove all these things that they are saying. These are all false prophets because they believe that sickness is atonement. Well, he bore, he bore our infirmities. Is it not the same way he bore our sins in his own body? Did he bear our sins in his spirit? That's not what the scripture says. He took our sins, right? And so he bore our sicknesses. And in the same chapter, Isaiah 53, that tells us that he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And in the same breath, with whose stripes you were healed. They're right there. So how can you separate them? The whole chapter talks about him dying on the cross. So why you separate and choose what you want to believe? That's human idea. And as long as we are conditioned to believe that, the enemy will continue to attack. And we're vulnerable to it. Does it mean we don't have received symptoms of sickness? Oh, yeah. There's, the way I see it is this. We have been freed from sin, right? Are you going to be tempted to, be, to, to, be, to sin 
Every one of us get tempted to sin. And do we sin sometimes? Uh, please don't tell, don't, if I say, if you have never been tempted to sin, and you sin, uh, uh, you never seen since you got saved. Raise up your hand. If you raise up your hand, I'll ask the oceans, please get him out of here. <laughs> because every one of us is falling sometimes, right? Yeah. You've been tempted, right? But you repented, right? And the Bible tells us, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive and to what? Cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, if you can be tempted to sin, and Jesus bore your sin, died for your sin, is the same way he died for your sickness, right? What does that say? You can be tempted to be sick. I use the word. You can be tempted to be sick. And you can yield to that temptation. And I have yielded to that temptation. Don't tell me you haven't. Somebody looks at you and says, you don't look, you look like you're sick. You say, really? <laughs> and another person tells you, are you okay today? And you say, this person doesn't have connection with the other person. Maybe I'm sick. Guess what? The next thing you're, you're sneezing. And you're, Please go home, you're sick. And that's what's going on, right? The same temptation. And we got to resist the temptation, amen? Because he bore our sins. You know that scripture? Bless the Lord, O my soul. Now I want to close with this because of time. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all, all what His benefits. How did we get this benefit? Somebody's got to pay for your benefit, right? You got insurance, right? It just didn't fall from the sky, right? Somebody paid for it. Jesus paid for your benefits. What are the benefits? Who forgives all your iniquities? Who healed what all... See, you can't separate them. You can't separate them. Because he paid for those benefits. And so we stay with those benefits. He heals all our diseases. He redeems our lives from destruction. Okay? He crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. Okay? So everywhere you go, whether you know it or not, you are wearing two crowns at the same time. I don't know how that's possible. One is called loving kindness and the other crown is called tender mercies. Sometimes you take the tender mercies off because this time you need loving kindness, right? So you wear that crown. And at that time you need mercy because something has gone wrong. You take the, the other one out. You say, okay, does it make sense? That's who we are. It's part of our inheritance. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. I didn't read that through in um, Isaiah uh, 54 verse 17. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness, God says, is from me. Their righteousness is from me. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Guess who is crowning you? God, right? When God does something, it's never seen very much, right? In the natural. So whether you know it or not, you're wearing a crown, okay? 
And whether you like it or not, it's too late. You're already wearing it. Okay, you're already wearing it. He satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So, I hold on to that scripture. Very tightly, okay? Uh, St. Mugas was saying, it says it's 70 years. He said, but that was before the Holy Ghost came. <laughs> okay? Now I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and I have a new life. It's going to be more than 70. Amen? And I got the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Before the Holy Spirit baptized people in the days of David and the rest of them, it was 70 years. Okay? But now that the Holy Spirit is living inside of us, uh, we can expect more. Can I hear an amen? You guys are too down. <laughs> you know what I'm, I'm excited about that. That means I still have a lot of time. Amen? Stand up tonight. <laughs> I have a lot of time to live, to do the work of God. And you have, one, you have the same. Amen? You don't have to die. I'm always reminded, Paul said, I'm ready to be, to be offered. And Peter also said, God told me the way I'm supposed to go. I've done my part, reading Second Peter. Now he says I'm ready to go, just as the Lord showed me. But basically, they knew when it was time. They knew. Jacob knew that was Old Testament. And I can know. And I don't need heart disease to tell me when. Amen? I don't need heart disease to tell me when. The Bible tells me when. Amen? And God will satisfy us with long life. That means when you are satisfied with life, it's time to go home. Raise your hands up to the Lord tonight and give Him thanks because His words never return to Him void. His words can never return to Him void. Every negative thing that's come against your life today God will turn it around in the name of Jesus. Jesus is with you. His power is with you. His presence is with you. All the lies of the enemy against your life will cancel in the name of Jesus. His plans will never see the light of day. He may try and try really hard, but he will not be successful over your life because the Lord your God is with you. The Lord your God is with you. And he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll be with you every step of the way. Even though you may go through the valley of the shadow of death. God is with you. And it is well with your soul. It is, it is well with your soul. Say it. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Father, I thank you. Your people are blessed. Yes, they are highly favored. Every one of them. Highly favored of God. And God, you have good plans for them. Lord, let them enter into your plans for them in the name of Jesus. Let them be successful. Let them prosper. Let them be like trees planted by rivers of water in the name of Jesus. That the world may see and know that God indeed is good. Thank you for your people, O God. Thank you for your people. They are truly blessed, highly favored, separated for good on this earth at this present time. Thank you, Lord God. 
In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Please welcome our guests. We have some special guests here. Amen.